All right. Well, good morning, everybody. So good to have you here with us today. Um, I just want to clarify, um, that was not Matthew McConaughey on that video there. Um, wasn't sure if you were, weren't aware of that. We didn't get him. I thought it was a Lincoln commercial at first, um, but I'm really, I think that was a really cool, uh, cool video for sure. Um, but yeah, we're really excited for this next upcoming year and what God's going to challenge and teach our church um, in this coming season. But for today, um, like Matthew said, we're concluding our Christmas series called Unexpected. And um, really the plan, the thing that we've been doing this whole series is really looking at the Christmas story, the different characters in the Christmas story, and um, ultimately how that points to the meaning, the true meaning of Christmas, which is Jesus' coming and our celebration of that coming. And so today I'm going to be, I'm gonna be uh, talking about the story of the wise men, um, and this event happened a little after the birth of Jesus, and so it's appropriate since we're celebrating after Christmas. And um, a big part of this story, too, a fun fact, this, is one, this story is one of the reasons that we actually give gifts to one another on Christmas, because the wise men gave gifts to Jesus. And um, as I was like thinking through this message, and as I was starting to prepare it, I was, I was thinking through the reality just of the Christmas story. And, you know, I think it's very easy, and I've fallen into this as well, when you're looking at this story, and you, you know, hear it pretty often every year, it can become repetitive and it can be one of those things, it's almost like, you know, an actual nativity scene where it's something that's very distant from us. But actually, these people were real people who experienced real things and encountered a real God who transformed and changed their lives and continues to transform and change our lives too. And so when we look at the Christmas story through that lens, I think it becomes one, more powerful, but two, it can really transform who we are as followers of Christ. And so that's kind of the, the foundation I really want to lay for us today. And more importantly, too, um, just this idea of giving gifts, and even along with that, too, looking at these men, who they were, um, and their purpose, how it can apply to us today, and again, the purpose behind the gifts that they gave. And I think it is appropriate to talk about gift giving, especially just coming from Christmas. Hopefully you all got what you wanted for Christmas a couple days ago. Hopefully it was a lot of fun for you. Um, Christmas for me can be really reflective. I tend to think just about um, the past and about um, the many different Christmas gifts I've gotten over the years. Um, I don't know about you, but I was a big fan of Transformer toys when I was younger. I was a big fan of Beast Wars and Voltron. And if you don't know what that is, you're probably not as cool as I am, obviously. Um, just kidding. Uh, but I, I really like the anticipation for many of the things I got when I was a kid and waking up on Christmas and getting those toys was special and really cool. Um, and even as I got older, there were different things I was excited about, whether it was video games or now in my 30s, I'm excited if I get, you know, socks and a sweater. That's like a great Christmas um, for me. Um, I don't know about you, but that's great for me. Um, but it's interesting as you think about your life and some of the Christmas toys you've gotten in your life, the uh, excitement wears off, right? Like, you probably don't play with many of the same toys you got when you were a kid at Christmas. Um, and if you do, that's great for you. No judgment here. This is a judgment-free judgment zone, obviously. Um, but uh, those things were really cool in the moment, but they're not as special now. And even looking at, you know, the experience of Christmas and celebrating and consumerism and all that stuff, you know, we can get caught up in the madness of the time and forget the true value and the true meaning and the true gift of Christmas. Because the true gift of Christmas is something that the Bible talks about is imperishable. That actually never goes away. 
And it's, and it's something that lasts forever. And it's, it's the hope and salvation of Jesus. And when we're looking at the story of the wise men, it's important to know, too, that even though they gave gifts to Jesus, the gift that Jesus gave them was far greater than even the gifts they gave him. And so um, it's, it's super important as we go into this story to know what Jesus has for us and how we can learn just about these men and their experiences, too. And so um, as we dive into the story, um, we're just going to keep that in mind. So you can turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 2, and that'll be leading us today. And as we dive into the story, we're going to kind of outline it through uh, the wise men journey. And so the wise men, they went to three different places in the story. They came from the east, they went to Jerusalem, and then they ended up in Bethlehem. And that'll kind of guide our story and, and apply to our lives where we are spiritually in our connection with Jesus too. And so um, Matthew chapter 1, verse 2, um, and if you have your Bibles, you can turn there, you can read on the screen too. It says this, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. So this story starts out in the east. And so these men, they, they go from a long journey to Jerusalem, and in the east they saw this star. And they were so moved by this star that they knew for some reason that this was a sign of the coming king of Israel, and that they tra then they traveled a long distance to see this coming king. And it's interesting when you look at the wise men, you know, there's many misconceptions of this story. Um, you know, many people might be, you might be familiar with the song, the popular song, the We Three Kings of Orient are, you know, that song. Um, and, there, and just to clarify a couple things, one, um, these men probably weren't kings. Um, actually, the word that's used here in scripture um, is magi, and that's where we get the word magician. And what these men did was they actually studied astrology. They studied the stars to determine the meaning and times that they were living in for the ancient people. And so they, they studied the stars and they saw this star and again were moved to go. And we don't know how many there were. Again, the tra tradition says three, but um, in the Bible, it's not clear how many there were. There could have been three. There could have been way more. Um, but the things that we do know is this. One, um, they came from the east, so they weren't Jewish. Um, and most people think potentially they came from Babylon, but we're also not sure. It just says, they, again, they came from the east. And again, th they saw this marvel and this star, and they were aware that this was some sign about a Jewish king. So they were somehow aware of the Jewish scriptures, and they were somehow aware that this was important and they needed to go. And I think a couple lessons we can learn from this story is this, that Jesus' birth was a gift to the nations, not just Israel. And along with that, too, this is what real faith looks like. You know, all throughout the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, it talked about God's promise and God's plan being for the whole world, that his blessing would be poured out among the nations. And in the Old Testament, um, what happened was the, the true people of God were just Jewish people. And, but at the coming of Jesus, it ushered in a new kingdom, a new plan, a new nation, um, a new people, and it allowed people like us who aren't Jewish to become followers of the one true God. 
And so these wise men who weren't Jewish were the beginning of that fulfillment of that promise that they worship this true God. Along with that, too, like I said, this is what real faith looks like. Um, this was risky. You know, they traveled a long way out. If they traveled, let's say, hypothetically from Babylon, it would have been about a month trip on horseback to Israel. And so they traveled a long way, and there was no guarantee that they were going to find what they were looking for. But they had big faith and trusted in this God and went. You know, and I think for us, we tend to be very attracted to stories like this, you know, where people take big risks and know very little and, and, and make big decisions and really see some blessing from it. Um, I heard an example, a cool story that happened recently, well, not recently, but a cool story that I heard recently um, about uh, this NBA star, his name's Giannis. Um, and Giannis is one of my favorite NBA players. They call him the Greek freak. Um, he plays for the, um, uh, the Milwaukee Bucks. And um, if you don't know his story, Giannis was originally from Greece. He grew up in a poor family. They're originally from Nigeria. And one part of Giannis's story is that um, he, him and his brothers, he had five brothers, and they were playing basketball um, in high school because they were all very athletic in a very poor part of Athens. And um, one day, the scout was just going around to different high schools, just checking out games, wasn't looking for anything in particular. And he went to this particular game where Giannis was playing, and he was, Giannis was about 14 or 15 years old. And as soon as this scout saw Giannis play, he was so blown away by his talent, and he was blown away by his abilities and the raw talent that he saw in him that he knew, man, this guy is going to be special. He's going to be a pretty big deal. We need to get him connected with somebody important. So um, this scout actually had a friend who was an uh, agent in Chicago, and he said to his friend, hey, listen, this is going to sound crazy, but you need to get on a plane come to Greece and see this high school Greek athlete because he's going to be a big, big star. And this agent, um, as, as he was talking about this later, was just like, no, there's no way I'm going to do that. I'm very busy. I have tons of clients. Why would I take time out of my busy schedule to fly all the way to Athens to watch some you know, Greek high school kid play against other Greek high school kids, which you know, historically not, are not known for being the best athletes in the world? You know? and, and why would I do that? Um, but the scout was very persistent and sent him some film, too, and said, you need to come see this. And so the scout, um, or the, the agent, flew out to Greece, saw Giannis play, and everything changed. The, the agent says that after that first game, he knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that this kid was going to be a star, and he was going to be in the NBA. And he said, he was, he said I'm going to put all my resources, everything I can, behind you to help you achieve the goals you have in your life. And I think that I share that story because I think it's just so cool when you get to see people, and maybe there's been moments in your life where you've seen a flicker of something, and, and you've just seen some blessing come from it. And I think spiritually, too, there might be moments in your life where you really see God move, or you see a flicker of the divine, and in those moments, you have two options. You can either walk towards it, or you can keep living your life as normal. And that's not what these wise men did. They saw something. They just saw a star, a little bit of faith, a little bit of something. And they had enough faith to move forward and see, where does this lead? Where does it go? And I think for us, we need to follow their example. And when God is leading us or, or pointing us in some direction, we need to go and see where he leads us. And I know from experience, whenever I've made decisions like this, whenever I've decided, okay, God, I'm going to trust you, even though I know very little, I've seen God move in marvelous, amazing ways. 
and I know you will too. And so these wise men, that's what they did. They saw a little bit of something, and then they decided to move forward. And so um, continuing in the passage, so it's uh, in verse 3, they, they made it to Jerusalem. They talk about this star that they interacted with, um, and then they met with Jewish leaders. And in verse 3, it says this, When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired with them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means least among the rulers of Judea, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men um, secretly and ascertained from them uh, what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. When you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. And so um, these men, they get to Jerusalem. They talk to um, the leaders there about this experience that they saw. And um, it was interesting, to say the least. Um, and there's two groups of people that they interacted with. They interacted with King Herod, and then they interacted with the religious leaders. Um, and it's interesting, these people became rivals with Jesus, not only in his birth, but in his ministry. And Herod, uh, if you don't know um, Herod's story, King Herod um, was one of Israel's most powerful kings um, in their, or leaders in their history. Um, he actually did a ton of building projects and helped their economy a lot. But also, along with that, he was one of Israel's most evil and tyrannical leaders as well. Actually, um, Josephus and other historians talk about King Herod and his brutality. And actually, King Herod was uh, actually killed many of his own sons because of jealousy. Um, and actually, right before he knew he was going to die, he had an order um, that all of his servants would be killed as soon as he died because he wanted mourning in Israel on the day of his death. However, after he died, that order wasn't followed at all, and there was actually celebration in Israel on the day of his death. Um, and so uh, Herod was not a good guy, and actually later in the story, which we won't, we won't get to, um, Herod um, is obviously lying here to the wise men because he's threatened of Jesus, and um, when the wise men don't return to him, he actually sends out an army to kill um, all boys that were under two years old in Bethlehem because of his threat and his feeling that Jesus was coming, this new king that was coming for Israel. Um, and so, you know, the kind of the, the, the through line here, and the thing we can see is this, that Jesus' birth announced a new kingdom. And so it, when Jesus' birth announced this new kingdom, if you're an established kingdom, you would be threatened by that kingdom. And so Jesus' kingdom is something that is different than every other worldly kingdom. We serve a king that is strong, powerful, and just. And every other king falls before him. And this was threatening, and that's why Herod hated this and, and wanted to stop Jesus. So that was, the, that was Herod they talked to, and the second group of people was, was the religious leaders, and these were the scribes and Pharisees. And in my readings of this story this past week, I was most touched or most confused by just these people. Um, because if you don't know, you know, in this time, every Jewish boy, 
every single Jewish boy, they would go to school, and what they would study was they had to memorize the first five books of the whole Bible. So, you know, Genesis through Deuteronomy, they had to memorize that. If you continued in Jewish school and became a scribe or a Pharisee, you had to continue memorizing not just five more books, but the whole Old Testament. So the whole Hebrew Bible, they had that memorized. And so these people were pouring themselves over the scriptures. And even when the wise men asked, where is this Messiah to be born? They knew right away, oh yeah, Bethlehem. And so they knew that this Messiah was coming. And they were so close to Bethlehem, yet they couldn't take time out of their day to go see, is this the one true king that we've been reading about? Is this the Messiah? And they had no excuse. If you, if you don't know, you can look this up on a map. Um, Bethlehem to Jerusalem is only six miles apart. It's only about um, you know, one side of Bowling Green to the other in distance. It takes about two hours to walk it. And so I, I was just like blown away as I was thinking about these guys. Like You couldn't take just two hours to see if this really was the one true king? And I, I think this story should serve as a warning for us. Because the reality is, and even if you look at Jesus' ministry, he constantly points to this fact that you can know information about God and about Jesus, but have no relationship with him. You can have an understanding of who God is, but not actually have him in your heart. You know, um, I'm a huge, like I said, I'm a big fan of the NBA. I'm a big fan of LeBron James. I know a lot of information about LeBron James. I'm from Cleveland. I, I follow LeBron for years since his very first game. Um, I've actually been near his house. You think I'm probably creepy for saying that. Um, it's actually nice. But, uh, but like, I've, I've followed LeBron James's career. But I don't know LeBron James, you know? I don't have a relationship with him. If he saw me on a street corner, he would have no clue who I am. And so in the same way, we can know a lot about God. We can say, hey, I grew up in church. I was you know, a part of a Christian community. I read my Bible, whatever, but have no deep relationship with Jesus. And that should give us pause. That should frighten us. And even Jesus, in his ministry, talks about this reality. In fact, um, Matthew 7, 21, Jesus says this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And he continues and says, Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name drive out demons? And in your name perform many miracles? And Jesus says, Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. And so Jesus is pointing out the fact that, you know, we can do these things for Jesus. We can know all this information. But if we don't have a true relationship with him, it all means nothing. And these guys were so close to Jesus, literally only a two-hour walk, yet so far because their hearts were far from him. And so the message here is this. We need to really ask ourselves, do we have a relationship with Jesus? Do we actually have a relationship with the creator God who made us? And if we do, we need to go the full journey. We need to go with the wise men. We need to go and meet this Jesus in Bethlehem. And that's what the wise men do as we continue our story. In verse 9, it says this, After listening to the king, 
they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. So they, they make the rest of the journey. They, they go to Bethlehem and they sit before this Jesus. They, again, they, they were able to find Jesus because of the star that was over, over where he was staying. And, and, and they gave him gifts. Now, I don't know, you know, if they had these gifts in mind or ironically, you know, maybe they just had them with them and they said, great, oh, great, we got to give them something, you know, and gave them, you know, gave them the gifts they have. We don't know that for sure. Um, but I think what we do know and what we can see is that these gifts mean something. That I, I think these gifts symbolize ultimately the gift that Jesus gave back to them. Um, and it, what these gifts represent, I think, is important to Jesus' birth and his ministry and what he did for us. You know, gold, many scholars believe that gold represent Jesus' kingdom, that Jesus was our king and is our king. Um, frankincense um, was actually used as an aroma for deities. It was used in um, religious worship services in ancient times. And so these men are saying that, Jesus, you are our God. You're our deity. And then myrrh, was actually used as a burial oil. It was used for embalming. And this represents Jesus' death. And so, again, these things point to Jesus' gift to us and his mission. More importantly, again, the, these gifts pale in comparison to the gift that Jesus gave them and us. That Jesus, as innocent as a baby, took on our sin on the cross defying its shame, and gave us his righteousness so that we could be brought back into relationship with God. This is the gospel. This is the Christmas story. This is why we celebrate, because of what Jesus has done for us. You know, the popular verse, John three sixteen says this, uh, God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. This is the gift that we can have, a relationship with the Son of God. And if we accept this gift, we can have newness of life and eternal life, and this gift will last forever. And so as we close today, I think it's important to really assess where we're at. And I think, again, there's three different places, you know, on this journey we can land. There's, there's you know, in the east, you know, far from God. There's in Jerusalem, also far from God, but yet close. And then there's in Bethlehem, at the feet of Jesus. And so the question is, where are you at? Are you in the east? Are you seeing a flicker of something? And again, the question is, are you going to step into it, or are you going to keep living your life as you've been living it? Or may, man, maybe you know a lot, but you never really submitted your life to Christ and took the rest of the steps to come to know Jesus. Maybe this is your opportunity to follow the Magi the rest of the way. Or, like the Magi, are you in Bethlehem at the feet of Jesus, worshiping him as your Savior?
And so that's, that's our hope today. And I would challenge you and encourage you to take time, even this week, to really pray and reflect, where am I at? And where do you want to be? And like the Magi, if we sit before the feet of Jesus, we will see him move in marvelous ways. And so what we'll do today is, as we close, we're going to worship just like the Magi did um, at the feet of Jesus and trust him um, as we celebrate this Christmas season and this, ex this gift that was also very unexpected. And so with that, I'll close this in prayer.